Welcome back to The Ron Show for Tuesday, December 27, 2022. I'm your host, Ron Roberts. This is the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. We thank you for listening. Phone number 404-919-2725. If you want to call, leave a voicemail, or send a text message, you can. 404-919-2725. My personal inbox, ron at ronshowatl.com. I'm struck because I was watching this video uh, on social media from back in my hometown, hearkening uh, the past. 1965 was the focus year, as a matter of fact. And I grew up as a kid of the 80s, actually loving music from the 50s and 60s and 70s. My dad had one of those Time Life cassette collections <laughs> that was just full of oldies, and I would listen to it, and I had the twin cassette deck, so, you know, it would play one side, then play the other cassette, and then come back to the other one and play the back. Loved it. Anyway, I fell asleep listening to that music uh, when I was a kid. So I was kind of that geeky kid of the 80s who listened to oldies music. Uh, I enjoyed the video, and I immediately was struck by the evoking of the past and, oh, folks just, you know, want to look back to a simpler time. And yet at the same time, many of the folks who like to evoke that heartfelt desire to relive the past politically align themselves with a movement that has erased a lot of the past. You know, one of the things that I enjoy doing when I go to Cracker Barrel, and yes, I go to Cracker Barrel every once in a blue moon, uh, especially on a road trip with, you know, some senior statesmen who like to get their breakfast when I'm wanting lunch or vice versa, (laughs) we stop at a Cracker Barrel, right? My grandmothers love the Cracker Barrel, just wandering through the store. The thing that I enjoy about sitting at the Cracker Barrel is looking at all the old signs on the wall of businesses and brands that are no longer a part of our society. And that's in large part due to a, say, a three-decade run of consolidation in this country. A lot of deregulation has allowed for businesses to swallow each other up to the point now where in most cities you have retail choices that are fairly limited in nature. And and yes, Amazon and online ordering is even going to change that. We may live to see a day where Amazon swallows up a Walmart or a Target or both. And that's the choice you're left with. In a lot of cities, you're left with a Walmart, a Target, a Dollar General, maybe one department store. I mean, the belts are clinging to life, right? (laughs) Oh, man. But we've come to a point in our life where we don't have those mom and pop local or regional chains anymore. Wawa is coming south. We have chicken chains coming from uh, uh, Louisiana. Raising Cane's is coming. Uh, my friend Bill has been just dying for the Whataburger to open up. Whataburger's from Texas. He's from Texas. So Whataburger's coming here. Bucky's is popping up all over the place now. Those used to be just regional little chains, and now they're nationalizing and swallowing up other, other smaller chains and encroaching on territory. We're seeing a homogenization of the business culture, and it's eating us in the wallet. This latest bout of inflation was largely untenable because of a lack of competition. And I'm going to take you back to some testimony that 
former Labor Secretary under Bill Clinton, Robert Reich, who I am a huge fan of, uh, gave some testimony before the Senate, and he outlined where the lack of competition is a large driver of the inflation we've all had to endure these last eight, nine, ten months, I guess since the uh, advent of the Ukraine war and gas price spikes, et cetera, and so on. We've been taking it in the wallet, but the corporate profits have been, well, not just good, but really good. And without competition, they get away with it. Listen to him. And let me begin with uh, Robert Reich. Uh, Senator, uh, I hope you can see me. Loud and clear. I can see you. Okay, good. Uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, uh, I'm going to submit my formal testimony for the record, and I will simply summarize. Uh, the Commerce Department reported last Wednesday that corporate profits are at a 70-year high, mm. which raises an obvious question about inflation. When corporations are so flush with cash, why are they raising prices? Uh, not because of the increased costs of supplies and components or of workers who are beginning to get raises because they're in demand. Yes, there are increased costs, but in a competitive economy, corporations enjoying record profits would absorb these costs. They keep their prices down to prevent competitors from grabbing away customers. But instead, they are passing these costs on to consumers mm -hmm. in the form of higher prices. Why? Because they can. They can because they do not face meaningful competition. Since the 1980s, two-thirds of all American industries have become more concentrated. This concentration gives corporations the power to raise prices without risking the possibility of losing customers who have no other choice. Now, Mr. Chairman, you went through a number of examples. Uh, many people see it every day. Starbucks is raising its prices to consumers, blaming the rising costs on, on supplies, on increasing co supply costs. But Starbucks just reported a 31% increase in yearly profits. Procter & Gamble is charging more for consumer staples, also citing rising costs. But Procter & Gamble has reported a whopping 24.7% profit margin. It even spent $3 billion during the fourth quarter buying back its own shares of stock. Meat prices are soaring because the four giant meat processing corporations that dominate the industry are using their market power to extract bigger and bigger profit margins for themselves. And this is according to a report from the White House National Economic Council. Although major oil companies have faced increasing costs for crude oil, they posted near record profits last year. So they are passing those costs onto consumers in the form of higher prices at the pump and for heating oil, and they're keeping record profits. And now they're using Putin's invasion of Ukraine as an excuse to raise prices even further. The New York Times two weeks ago pointed out that corporate executives have spent recent earnings calls with Wall Street analysts bragging about their newfound power to raise prices, often predicting that it's going to last. Now, what are large corporations doing with their near record profits? They are buying back their own shares of stock in order to deliver higher returns to their shareholders. 
Stock buybacks hit a new record last year. This year is on track to exceed it. The oil giants alone are planning to buy back at least $22 billion of their own stock. So here we have corporations with record profits not seen in 70 years. They're raising their prices. This means consumers are paying more. Wages are rising, but almost all of the increase in wages is being wiped out by price increases. <coughs> and corporations are, and are using their profits to buy back their shares of stock. All of this, what is all of this? Connect these dots. This amounts to an upward transfer of income and wealth from consumers and workers, many of whom live from paycheck to paycheck, to shareholders, half of whom are in the richest 1% of the population and more than 80% of whom are in the richest 10%. Now, what to do about this? The Fed is battling inflation the old-fashioned way by raising interest rates to slow the economy. But here's the point. Higher interest rates are not going to stop corporations from using their pricing power. Higher interest rates are just going to slow the economy and potentially cause millions of lower wage workers to lose their jobs and forfeit long overdue real wage increases. Yep. There is a far better way to battle this corporate induced inflation that would not hurt average working Americans is for Congress and the administration to apply tougher antitrust enforcement and enact a windfall profits tax mm -hmm. and price controls. Inflation is intimately connected to record corporate profits and widening inequality. Average working people in America are being shafted. They need and deserve action. I want to stop the video there because uh, Secretary Rice brought up the fossil fuel industry. And this tweet from uh, Michael Thomas, who um, writes for The Atlantic and also writes a newsletter about climate change called Distilled Earth. He wrote this tweet earlier. BP runs a lot of ads about its commitment to clean energy, but the company just released their 2023 capital investment plans. They plan to invest the majority of its uh, investments on fossil fuel projects. BP plans to spend $7.5 billion on oil and gas projects versus 3 to $5 billion on low-carbon projects. That 3 to $5 billion might look good to some, but it's worth noting that not all of the money dedicated to low-carbon projects will do much to mitigate emissions. A recent House investigation found that internally, BP doesn't take their climate pledge seriously when presented with an opportunity to reduce emissions on a project off the coast of Trinidad and Tobago. A BP exec said the company has, quote, no obligation to minimize greenhouse gas emissions. And BP isn't alone. Exxon, Chevron, and Shell are all planning to invest in fossil fuels well into the future. At a recent board meeting, Chevron CEO said the company has no plans to stop investing in fossil fuels. Chevron plans to spend only 10% of its capital investing in low-carbon technology between 2022 and 2028. Exxon plans to spend most of their capital on share buybacks and fossil fuel projects next year. The fossil fuel industry is investing some of their money in clean energy and running big greenwashing campaigns so the public thinks they're acting on climate. They want to continue to, quote, self-regulate. Their capital investment plans show why we shouldn't allow that. 
Okay, back to Robert Reich's testimony from seven months ago before a Senate panel. Uh, Secretary Reich, let's talk about policy. Uh, how did we get to where we are today with so much income and wealth inequality where the people on top are doing phenomenally well while ordinary Americans are struggling? To my mind, there are three related, interrelated reasons. One is that corporate power keeps growing. And when I say corporate power, I'm talking about market power, corporate dominance over their markets, the ability to raise prices and not suffer any competitive loss. Uh, and we see this especially during the pandemic and now. Senator Graham asks, how can it be? Well, I'll tell you how it can be because corporations, and they've said this in earnings calls over and over again, they're taking advantage of both the pandemic and the inflation and the war, some companies, to raise their prices because they can. They can get away with it. Now, you can call it, and we can call it whatever we want to. We can, we can call it price gouging, or we can call it profiteering, doesn't matter what we call it. The fact is, they are doing what their shareholders want them to do, and that's, mm -hmm. that's capitalism. But workers and consumers are paying the price. Mm -hmm. Another major factor is that labor has had less and less bargaining leverage. Labor unions, when I was growing up, a third of the private sector workforce was unionized. Now, 6% of the private sector workforce are unionized, uh, which means that if you have companies that are getting more and more dominant on the one hand, and workers who are losing their bargaining power on the other, it's no surprise that you're going to see widening, widening inequality. Would uh, Congress working together in a bipartisan way to do immigration reform, would that also open up the labor market and maybe put some downward pressure on prices, and I'd like each of the witnesses to answer that question. Yes, and Senator, I, I do agree as well. The United States labor force is aging. Uh, I'm a good example of that. Uh, and <laughs> the baby boomers are moving on. Uh, the millennials are a big generation, but uh, the United States is going to need more workers. Uh, immigration is and has always been a source of extraordinarily important labor market growth in America. Uh, and there is absolutely no doubt that we need to have immigration reform and uh, we need to allow in more immigrants. Wow. Isn't that funny? We were just talking yesterday with our, uh, our guest, the immigration attorney from Texas, Kate Lincoln Goldfinch, who said exactly that thing, that America's population is a graying older population and that our economy and our labor market needs immigration reform. Now, in all candor and transparency, I'm sharing audio from a YouTube video that Robert Reich had spliced together from his testimony about seven months ago before a Senate panel on inflation. I will share that for you at RonshowATL on Twitter. It'll also be in the show notes at RonshowATL.com when I share today's segments. All right. Okay, so yesterday ushered in the first day of Kwanzaa, and the theme of yesterday was Umoja, or unity. Today, it's all about self-determination. Let me make sure I say this right. Guji Shagulya. Self-determination, the principle of Kwanzaa for the day. Three vital questions you can ask yourself to help you find 
your own self-determination. Fascinating stuff. You don't want to miss it. Next on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. After this.